Hi, this is Pastor David Cooper. Thank you for joining my podcast. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I also want to ask you to share the podcast with others. Together, we can make an impact in people's lives as we introduce them to the Word of God. Thank you for your partnership and ministry of the Mount Perrin family and our outreach. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you today. As Christians, we look to God's Word for guidance on every area of our lives. We want to study what the Bible says about marriage. Marriage is the most important relationship in life. Marriage is the building block of the family. The family is the building block of society and of the church. The Bible gives us a map for a blessed marriage. Plato, the famous philosopher, once said that he recommended marriage to everyone. If you get married, you can enjoy the joys and the bliss and the happiness of marriage. And he said, but if it doesn't work out, you can always become a philosopher like me. Somebody said that marriage is like a three-ring circus. You have the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and the suffering. Marriages may be made in heaven, but the maintenance work takes place here on earth. And the Bible teaches us foundational truths, how we can enjoy a blessed marriage. So if you're married, these biblical passages help you learn to grow in your marriage. If you're looking forward to getting married, they also explain what marriage truly is. Today in our culture, you often see a distortion of the meaning and the definition of marriage. And all of that reworking of the meaning of marriage has weakened the whole idea of what it means to really be married. Now, we don't take a cultural view of marriage. It doesn't really matter what the culture says. We don't even take a traditional view of marriage. As God's people, we take a biblical view. What does the Bible teach us about this mysterious relationship that's even a type of Christ's love for the church? In the Old Testament, God portrays himself as the husband of the nation of Israel and uses that metaphor of the love and the commitment of marriage. So we're going to walk through the Bible in this brief study. And these biblical truths and passages give us foundational principles for a blessed marriage. The first principle we learn from the Bible about marriage is that marriage is God's will and plan for our lives. In the book of Genesis, in the creation story, Moses gives us the only definition of marriage ever given in the Bible. This is later cited by Jesus in the Gospels when he described what marriage really means. It appears also in the apostolic letters of the New Testament. It appears later in the Old Testament in the prophets. Now, here's the only biblical definition of marriage, and that's what I mean by we're not looking at a cultural definition or a traditional definition. What does the Word of God teach us? For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Now, that is the only definition of this sacred relationship. This is God's will. This is God's plan. And although throughout history, marriage has taken other shapes and forms, those are deviations from God's purpose. And our lives are always lived the best when we follow God's will. Even the Old Testament, the ancient world, You'll see polygamy, even in some parts of the world today. Well, that's not God's will for marriage. When Jesus, in the Gospel of Mark chapter 10, was asked about marriage and divorce, and they were having all these different views, he made the statement, it was not that way in the beginning. He says, but in the beginning, man will leave mother and father. He goes back to Genesis as the beginning point. And our lives are lived best when we start with what God's will is for our lives, and we follow that example, and we don't deviate from it in some ways. There's three interesting aspects here about what marriage is. 
First of all, you see the active word leave. A man leaves his father and mother. The wife does the same. In other words, marriage is about leaving. We leave behind the people that brought us into this world. We leave behind our parents, the most important people in our lives. And yet when we get married, now we have a new and higher loyalty to each other as husband and wife. So in marriage, you have to put each other ahead of everybody, even your parents. So much so that you have to leave your family. You have to separate from your family in order to have a healthy marriage. And then you relate to your family, but now you've started a new family that is connected to your family you grew up in, but it's all so different. It's a new family. You have to see that difference and you have to set that boundary. And then it says that he will be united to his wife. The, the King James, the old English, uses the word cleave. You could use the term cling in the Hebrew. It means, it actually speaks of the property of glue when you bond something together with a very powerful adhesive so that they cannot be torn apart. And that's why Jesus, when he cited this passage in Mark chapter 10, verse 90, he says, therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And so in marriage, you cleave to each other. You hold on to each other. You're going to go through all kind of difficult times. You're going to go through great times. You're going to go through peaks and valleys and seasons. And there are a lot of forces sometimes that try to tear us apart. There are people even that may try to interfere in a marriage. So you want to hold on to each other, cling to each other. Don't let each other go. And when you're going through difficult times, always come together. And when you're going through great prosperity times, Always come together and share that. Don't let anything start taking you down separate roads. So you leave behind. You form a new higher loyalty to each other in marriage, and you unite, you glue together, you bond together, you cleave to each other, you hold on to each other, no matter what happens. And then he says, two, become one flesh. So a marriage is a relationship only between two people, a man and a woman, and just the two. And you can't have all this interference from other people. In other words, there's a wall of secrecy and privacy around your marriage. You can't let anybody else into it. Even when you have children, if God blesses you with kids, there's a boundary between the marriage and the kids. There's got to be a boundary between the marriage and the in-laws and the outlaws. All kind of people can get in the mix. But the healthy marriage has a wall of privacy and secrecy around it. You never want to divulge any of the issues in your marriage with anyone, unless you both agree that you want to talk to somebody, maybe get some help or some counsel, but you never want to individually go outside of that marriage and break your confidence because it destroys the trust. Two, will become one flesh. Now, the mystery of one flesh is interesting, but it just means that they are growing together. You know, I find that in marriage for Barbie and me that over time we have minimized each other's strengths and maximized each other's weaknesses. I think we've both become better people individually because of our relationship. But two will become. So there's a future tense. And always remember that in marriage, marriage is always in a state of becoming. And even if you have a bad day, you're going to have them. We all do. doesn't mean the marriage is threatened. Marriage goes through those growing pains at times. But you always want to keep growing. A wedding is an event. It's always in the past. You can always look at the photo album. You can always watch the video, the DVD. It's always an event in the past, but marriage is always present tense. It's always growing and changing. On every given day, you've got to wake up and choose each other once again. You've got to look at your husband and wife and say, I still choose you. That's how you become over time. You grow together. Marriage is always in the state of becoming. It can always grow. It can always improve. The second principle we learn from the Scripture is that marriage brings great blessings in our lives. 
Now, not everybody gets married, and some people live a single life, and there, there's a whole realm of blessings on being single. And Paul the Apostle talks about some of those blessings in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He talks about the blessing of being single, how you have more time to devote to the work of God, to helping others, to ministry. Because when you're single, you don't have some of the complexities of marriage, the drama of marriage. You don't, you don't have the issues of parenting, for example. So there are great blessings in being single, a great devotion to Christ. But here we're talking about the blessings that marriage brings. If you get married, it was one of the greatest blessings you'll ever experience in your life. So the book of Proverbs celebrates the blessings of this relationship. May your fountain be blessed, the Proverbs writer tells us, Solomon, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast or her body, her love satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. That's Proverbs 5, verse 18 and 19. And when he writes that, he's also talking about the danger of affairs and how a man can get distracted in marriage by another woman. And how a woman can get distracted. And so this celebration of the blessing of marriage is set in the context of a caution against affairs. Now, most people don't have affairs, but when they do happen to couples, they are very devastating. As a pastor and a counselor, I've worked with several couples that have gone through affairs, and it is one of the most devastating experiences of life. And it's almost impossible for couples to recover from it. And so here, the Word of God is teaching us to celebrate our marriage, to enjoy our marriage. May your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth, reflecting back of the first love we have in marriage. He says, don't lose that. Celebrate that. Stay right there. And may you be satisfied with each other. Here, he means sexually. That's why he makes a reference to the physical body, the physicality of love, the eros, as the Greeks call it, the, the erotic and the passionate side of marriage. He said, may you always have that part of your marriage and be captivated by her love, so focused on your wife, so captivated by her love and her beauty and the joy that you share and the intimacy you share that you're never distracted and taking off course. And whenever we start taking each other for granted or we get angry at each other, we don't get over it. We start eroding the foundation of marriage. That's a warning sign to us. We always want to come together, celebrate and share the love that we have and keep the first love alive in our hearts. You know, in Ephesians church, we read about in the book of Revelation, chapter two, verse four. He tells him, I know your works, your deeds, your perseverance, but you've left your first love. And that's a reference to marital love. When we fall in love and we're so infatuated with each other, that passion we have, that devotion, but he likens it spiritually. He says, you've left that First love, you've abandoned it. That's the same thing the writer of Proverbs is cautioning us against is losing and leaving and abandoning that first love, that passion. So your marriage is blessed when you celebrate your love and share your love and keep your relationship intimate. That way you are not ever distracted by anything or anybody. Well, the third principle we learn is that marriage is God's gift to us. So the Proverbs tells us here in Proverbs 18 to 22, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. There's a special favor and a blessing that comes from the Lord in marriage. And the inverse is also true. She who finds a husband finds what is good. The principle applies both ways. And it's important in marriage to see each other as God's gift to us and to celebrate that gift and to be grateful for the gift. It's very important in marriage to thank God for your husband, to thank God for your wife. You know, we'll be a lot less critical of each other We'll have a lot less demands 
when we habitually express gratitude, to take time to just randomly call your husband, call your wife, or text him. Just say, I thank God for you. You're a great blessing in my life. You see, the things that we're not grateful for, we naturally start taking for granted, and they lose power and importance to us. And so always take time to tell each other you're grateful for each other. And take time to identify a few things that you are grateful for. I was out of town preaching in Athens, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta, where Barbie and I started our first church and pastored for 10 years. She was here in Atlanta, back home at our church. But as I drove around, there were so many places that had so many rich memories. Both of our children were born in Athens. And it just dawned on me how blessed I was as a pastor, that she made a commitment to me, made a commitment to the ministry, has always been right there. God raised her up as a minister herself. She didn't have a calling, but when she became my wife, she began to embrace that calling, and God put a calling on her life. And I just thanked her. And I sent her a text. It was it was dawned to me what she had been willing to, to give up and do and all the things she may could have done in life. But she loved me. She made a commitment to me. And I took time to identify specifically. I recognized the commitment she had made as a pastor's wife. And I thanked her for it. And the text I got back, it made an impact on her. But it reminded me of the importance of taking time to tell each other, not just generally I'm thankful for you, but Think about some of the things specifically that you know are a great blessing. God's brought great favor and blessing in your life just through your marriage. So we remember that marriage is God's gift, and we celebrate that gift. And today we want to talk about one more principle, then we'll continue our study together. The fourth principle that we learn from Scripture is that marriage takes commitment. It takes a deep commitment to each other. We've got to be bigger than our, our feelings. We've got to be bigger than our disappointments. We've got to get over it when we get angry. We've got to realize that we've made a lifelong commitment to each other that transcends the temporary season that we may be in in life. So the Word of God tells us here in Proverbs 31, it writes about a noble wife, but it talks about her commitment to her husband and to her family. A wife of noble character, who can find? She's worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her. He lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Proverbs 31, verse 10 through 12. And there you see this commitment of this virtuous wife to her husband. He has full confidence in her. He lacks nothing of value because of the value she adds to him. She's not criticizing him or tearing him down. She's building him up. She brings him good, not harm all the days of her life. One of the most painful moments in my life happened. A number of years ago, I was preaching for a friend in their church. It was his like anniversary Sunday, a celebration Sunday. And we went to lunch together and we were all there. And his wife just complimented me on my sermon. And shared that sometimes she even critiques her husband's sermons. And I told her, you know, in all these years of preaching, Barbie has never once criticized or critiqued one sermon. And I know she's had to overlook a lot as my church family, my congregations overlooked a lot. And they know I can't handle criticism anyway. I tell everybody that. But I'm sure there are many times she could have critiqued it or corrected me, but she didn't. She's always encouraged me, told me how much she got from the Word of God. And that's what this virtuous woman is about. She brings him good, not harm. It's easy for us to attack each other in marriage and point out all of our faults, and I think we do that sometimes naturally, but it's important for us to remember that should be very minimal. We should eliminate it altogether if we can, 
but to bring each other good, to make that commitment to each other. And in Malachi the prophet, he talks to the men of his generation about their lack of commitment to their wives. And he brings it on hot and heavy. He says it the way it is in Malachi, the second chapter. He says to the men of the nation of Israel, as God is saying this to us today as husbands, it is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth because you have broken faith with her. Though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant, Malachi 2, 13 and 14. This is the only time in the Bible where marriage is referred to as a covenant. A covenant is a word that describes God's unconditional love for us. And that's what marriage is. It's not a contract. We'll talk more about that in this study together. It's not a contract. It's a covenant. It's a based on unconditional love. It's not based on demands and expectations. That's a contract. And marriage is not a contract. It's a covenant commitment of unconditional love. Regardless of demands and expectations, we put all of that aside and love each other unconditionally. And he says to the men of, the, of his generation, God's acting as a witness between you. God's testifying against the men of the generation because they have broken faith. You broke your commitment with the wife of your youth, though she is your partner. She, your, your wife is not under you. She's your partner. We'll see this later in the New Testament in our next study together. Your wife is not under you. She's not subordinate to the husband. She's an equal partner, just like Eve was an equal partner with Adam in creation. That is God's will in marriage. And when we know that, we'll treat our wives as equal partners and we make that commitment. So here in Proverbs, we see the power of a Christian and godly woman who makes a commitment to her husband and brings him good, not harm. Here we see the call for husbands to never break their faith, their oath, their loyalty to their wife, and to treat her as an equal partner in the relationship. That is the meaning of real commitment. Let's join together in prayer today. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray for every married couple today, that you'll bless them in their marriage. I pray that the word of God will inspire and instruct all of us today how to have a healthy and holy and happy marriage. I pray for everyone who's single, who has a desire to get married, that today they are learning and discovering what it truly means to have a covenant relationship. And I pray a special blessing on every family today who's a part of this great church, who's sharing this time of study today. Bless them, bless their household, I pray. Give them the miracle of salvation that not one person in their household will be lost, but all will come to the knowledge of the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we thank you and we praise you for this in your holy name. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. Let me encourage you to connect with me on social media. Follow me on social media and follow the Mount Parent Ministries. Also, you can subscribe to the Pastor David Cooper YouTube channel if you've not done so already in the Mount Parent and share, always share the messages and the teachings and the things that the Lord is showing you and share it with your family and your friends and, and just multiply the word of God. Sunday's coming. I'm looking forward to seeing you and your family on campus. And if you live in the Atlanta area, I want to encourage you to be on campus on Sundays. It's, it's dynamic. The breakfast is incredible. The ministries for all the family. The worship services are just unbelievable as God graces us with his presence when we gather together for worship. There's a place of service for you in the campus. There's a place of involvement in ministry. If you can't be with us on campus, make sure you join online. Get your family and friends to watch as well. Thank you for your gracious and prayerful support of the Mount Perry Ministries. I'm praying for you. I'm looking forward to continuing this study on Marriage Map with you. God bless you. Have a great day.
Thank you for joining me today as we've shared together the Word of God. Let me ask you to download the Mount Perrin Church app today so that we can stay connected and you can see all the great services and resources available for you and your family. Follow me on social media and also the Mount Perrin Church family. I look forward to seeing you in church to worship on campus and online. God bless you. Have an incredible day.